Within the Geek Cave, there lives a sarcastic woman who jumped the snark years ago. With her cynicism talisman forever upon her neck, she guides you through the cinematic wasteland. It's time for the more than monthly movie review from the GRD Cinemistress, Carol the Cat. Hello, wonderful humans. This is the Cinemistress, and I did not go to the movies this weekend. I had a really busy weekend last week because I was at Retcon, which is a new convention in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I had a really great time. I really didn't feel like peopling this weekend, so I stayed home. But I wanted to record something because it's been a couple of weeks, so I figured I would open up my Letterboxd app and give you the rundown of all of the movies that I watched in January and February that I did not review for the channel. Either new, new to me, or rewatch. I will not be doing any major spoilers for any of these movies, but there may be some minor spoilers throughout, so just be warned. I'm also going to put this up with very limited editing, so there may be some awkward pauses and some flubbed lines. I am now going to open my last beer from Retcon. Normally, I do not drink beer. I'm a wine and cider girl, but I do love a Guinness. And I would like to thank Mark for the two Guinnesses that he gave me at Retcon. I don't know, is it weird that the only beer I like is Guinness? So let's get started with the movies that were new to me. I started the year watching Duel. That's D-U-A-L, although it has a double meaning in this one. This movie stars Karen Gillan as Sarah. Sarah is diagnosed with a terminal illness. This movie takes place in the not-too-distant future. Um, and she's diagnosed with a terminal illness. And her doctor tells her that if she wants to be kind to her family, she can duplicate herself and teach that duplicate all about herself. And then when she dies, her family will have that duplicate. So they won't grieve that much. And Sarah decides to go ahead and, and do that. So a duplicate Sarah is created. And then Sarah is told that she is no longer terminal. Her disease is now in remission. Unfortunately for Sarah, her family has taken a shine to her duplicate and prefers the duplicate Sarah to the real Sarah. So per the law, these two Sarahs have an, a year to train and then they must fight to the death. And whoever survives gets to live as Sarah. This was a really interesting premise, and I liked a lot of the black humor in the film. Unfortunately, I find Karen Gillan to be kind of a stilted actress to begin with. I think mostly because she's trying to hide her Scottish brogue so much. But here, the director seemed to want all of the characters to act in this very stilted manner. So you have awkward pauses and very stilted dialogue throughout the film. And that began to bug me a little bit. Also, a character does something at the end of this film that is so obviously a setup that they walk into that I kind of lost respect for the character because nothing in the film showed me that, sh that this character was that dumb. So stilted acting and a not so great ending, but I liked a lot of the humor and the concept was really great. And I'm going to give this one three brains. Next up, I watched Fall. Not The Fall. That's a totally different movie that I should probably do a review for because that's an excellent film. This is just Fall. So, sidetrack. One of my favorite horror movies is The Descent, in which a group of female friends go on these adventures once a year. And then one of the, the women loses her husband in a tragic accident. And a year later, the leader of the group tries to draw her out of her shell to go on one more adventure. And they go into a cave system and they're trapped. And they're the... 
the lead finds out that the leader of this group was having an affair with her husband because she wears a necklace that says love each day, which is something her husband said every day. I highly recommend The Descent. It's an excellent film. And for the first 30 minutes of fall, I thought I was watching The Descent only in reverse, like The Ascent. Because here you have a group of three friends, a couple and Hunter, who is the leader of the trio, Hunter, Becky, and Dan. And at the beginning of the film, Becky and Dan, who are married, there's a tragic accident and Dan dies. And a year later, Hunter comes into Becky's life to try and drag her out of her her depression and go on one more adventure. And they decide they're going to climb this remote, abandoned radio tower that is scheduled for demolition. And Becky realizes that Hunter has had an affair with her husband because Hunter has a tattoo of one, three, four on her ankle, which is what her husband would say to, which is what Dan would say to Becky instead of I love you. He would say one, three, four, which makes no sense because it's the same syllables. Look, the dude was comitophobic and was probably just sad that he married somebody. Let's just leave it at that. He just said one, three, four instead of I love you. So you can see for the first half an hour, I was kind of frustrated with this movie because it was basically the descent only on a tower. Thankfully, it does diverge from the descent. There are no cannibalistic mutants living on the tower. But there was enough in common there that this movie somewhat annoyed me. Also, I have to say, these are the worst prepared climbers ever. They do no reconnaissance on the tower itself, so they have no idea if it's in any sort of shape to be climbed. They do not bring enough rope to even get down from any portion of the tower. They bring one bottle of water, even though this tower is located in a remote desert, and zero food. These girls are the worst prepared climbers ever. And they both annoyed the hell out of me. The effects here are really great, I will say. If you are scared of heights, yeah, you're going to have sweaty palms for the majority of this film because the effects are done really well. But I disliked both of these characters. I gave this one one and a half. Butcher Knives, just, it didn't seem fresh at all to me. Plus, seriously, you couldn't throw granola bars in the damn backpack? Next up, I watched The Menu. If I had watched this before the end of the year, this might have snuck onto my top ten. So this stars Anya Taylor-Joy and Nicholas Holt as a couple who goes to this exclusive tasting at this very expensive restaurant that is run by uh, Chef Julian Slowick, who is played by Rafe Fiennes. Let's just say that the chef has prepared a very surprising meal for all of his incredibly well-chosen guests. Well, except for one guest. Anya Taylor-Joy plays Margot, and she's a last-minute addition to the guest list, and she throws a wrench into the chef's plans. Let's just say that. This was a great comedy. I, I It's a very well-done satire on the foodie culture and how artists can lose the joy in their art when they're overpraised. Um, I really enjoyed this film a lot, and I gave it 4.25 Butcher Knives. That was a really, it's a really good film. It's currently on HBO. Next up, I watched Strange World. This is a Disney movie that came out at the end of last year. This is a animated movie. I hadn't heard a whole lot about this, and I was kind of surprised when it showed up on Disney+. Plus. So I sat down and watched it, and this was a really fun time. This tells the story of the Clade family. Uh, Jaeger Clade is this adventurer who goes off in search of, of strange places and wild animals. And his son, Searcher Clade, is more in tune with staying home and, and growing things in his garden. 
And Searcher discovers this plant that creates electricity. So he uses that to uh, provide electricity for his his village. And the plants start dying. So he goes off in search of the reason why the plants are dying. And in turn, he comes across his long-lost father, Jaeger. I thought this was kind of delightful. I thought the animation was really pretty. I was kind of surprised I'd never heard of it. And then I realized, oh, one of the lead characters is gay. And I just don't think Disney put a whole lot of marketing behind this film, which is a shame. Kudos to Disney for having an openly gay character for the first time ever. Kind of bad on them for not promoting this movie better. But I liked this. I gave it 3.5 popcorn buckets. I thought it was really fun. Next up, and I'm going to lump these two together, I watched La Caja Faux and The Birdcage. I watched these for Refried Scenes, which is another podcast I do where I discuss movies and their remakes. Um, La Caja Faux is a French film. The Birdcage is its American remake. The story is basically the same for both films. A couple of gay men um, are kind of thrown for a loop when their son comes home and says that he's getting married and he wants them to meet his fiance and his fiance's parents, who are incredibly conservative. So because one of the the partners is a drag queen, they try and pass him off as the son's mother. And hilarity ensues. I loved both of these films. I thought they were both very funny. Um, I like The Birdcage just a slight bit more because it stars Robin Williams, and I love Robin Williams. But both these films are are excellent. Um, I would give La Caja Faux four popcorn buckets and The Birdcage 4.25 popcorn buckets. I enjoyed both of them. Next up, I watched Tar, which is one of the films that's up for Best Picture, and I was trying to watch all of the Best Picture nominees. This one stars Kate Blanchett, who plays Lydia Tar, who is a very famous conductor. She is considered one of the best conductors in the world. Unfortunately, offstage, she does not conduct herself very well. I have kind of mixed feelings about this film. It's a very well-directed, very well-acted film. It's a good film. It's a really good film. I just felt that this was such a Kate Blanchett part that she could have done it in her sleep. I do like that it kind of highlights that women are not given nearly as many mistakes as men are given in certain situations. But either way, I didn't find Lydia Tarr to be a very likable character. But I don't think she's supposed to be likable here. <laughs> so I guess the movie did what it set out to do. I gave this one 3.75 brains because it's not a bad film and it is very well acted. I just didn't click with it. Next up, I watched Fire of Love. This is a documentary on the lives of Katya and Maurice Croft, who studied volcanoes. And I remember being a little kid in elementary school and seeing films of their volcano footage in uh, geology or earth science class. I think they called it earth science in, in elementary school. This couple, for the better part of two decades, did nothing but study volcanoes. And they got some breathtaking footage studying those volcanoes. The documentary goes into their lives, and I kind of like the fact that they both realized that they were in a very dangerous profession. So they decided at the onset of their relationship that they would not have children just in case, which turned out to be kind of a good thing because they actually were killed by a volcano in 1991. So this documentary is just kind of a celebration of the love between this couple and their love of volcanoes. And I really enjoyed this one, and I gave it 4.5 stars. This is currently on Disney+. Plus. Last in the new category, I watched Pompeii. <laughs> this is 
This is a 2014 film, I think. Look, I was going through my streaming services because I was going to cut a couple of them off, and I was going through the list of movies that were on Stars, and I came across this one, and I thought, hey, maybe it would be a good disaster film. And so I watched it, and no, it was not a good disaster film. This was a terrible film. This stars Kit Harrington as Milo, a Celtic horseman who's uh, kidnapped by the Romans to become a gladiator. Kit, you are no Russell Crowe. Anyway, he's taken to the city of Pompeii to uh, take part in a fight there. And along the way, he meets the daughter of this rich mer- merchant, and they fall in love over the fact that he had to kill her horse. It was a mercy killing. But they're all in love now, and then the volcano explodes. I don't think that's a spoiler that happened you know, like 2,000 years ago. Then, yeah, the volcano explodes and people die. Look, I knew I was in trouble when this said a film by Paul W.S. Anderson. <laughs> I have to say, I continued watching it for one reason, and that's because the bad guy here is played by Kiefer Sutherland, and he does this weird thing where for half of his performance, he sounds just like a pompous ass. He just talks like a pompous ass. And then for half of his performance, it sounded like he got, like, dental surgery done. <laughs> so some of his lines were coming out shushing. He was shushing his S's. And it just sounded like he was talking funny. And so I just had this game where I'd watch this movie, and every time he spoke, it was like, was it pre-surgery or post-surgery, Kiefer? <laughs> Look, this is a terrible film. The effects are okay, but not great. Um, the volcano is really nice in the fact that it stop, seems to stop spitting lava rocks whenever there's a, a nice quiet scene that's necessary. <laughs> it's a very, it's a very respectful volcano. I would like to say this is so good it's bad, but it isn't. It really isn't. There are long stretches of nothing happening in this film. Even with the volcano erupting. I gave this one one popcorn bucket. I was only watching it to just listen to Kiefer Sutherland speak. So that was all the new or new to me movies that I watched in January and February. I did rewatch several. I watched John Wick, which is a near perfect action film. I'd give that 4.75 popcorn buckets. It is absolutely spectacular and I love it in every way. And then I watched John Wick 2, which I would give 4.5 popcorn buckets to because I really enjoyed it and it's a terrific action movie. And then I watched John Wick 3, <laughs> which I would give four popcorn buckets to. I, I think it's a slight diminishing there in, in John Wick 3. Neat drinking game with John Wick 3. Take a shot every time somebody says consequences. No, don't do that. You'll die. Then I rewatched Glass Onion, which I thoroughly enjoyed. I think I gave that 3.75, and I would stick with that. It's not as good as Knives Out, but it's still a really good film. Then I watched a movie I hadn't seen in a very long time. I watched The Sting from 1973. This stars Paul Newman and Robert Redford. It is a really delightful gangster film. I love this film. I give this 4.5 popcorn buckets. Uh, great soundtrack, great acting. Damn, are Paul Newman's eyes blue. Then I rewatched Hereditary, which was one of my favorite films from a few years ago. I would give this one 4.75 Butcher Knives. I loved this one. I did a review for this on GRD. I'm not sure what I gave it, but I would boost it to 4.75 because I just really, I love this film. Then I rewatched The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which stars Nicolas Cage as Nicolas Cage and Pedro Pascal as his buddy, 
Um, yeah, I would watch another buddy film between Nicolas Cage and Pedro Pascal. I love this film. I gave it four popcorn buckets. It's just delightful and it's funny. And I enjoyed it. And then finally, I rewatched Dune, which I would also give 4.5. I'm going to give that brains because it's smarter than popcorn buckets. I love Dune. I think this is a terrific adaptation and I look forward to part two later on this year. So there you have it. That is all the additional movies I watched in January and February of this year. I think I'm going to do this every couple of months. Just go through everything I watched in addition to the stuff that I reviewed for the site. And now I am going to sit back and enjoy the rest of my beer and watch a movie. This is The Cinemistress signing out. Stay safe. Stay healthy. See you next time. GRD is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works 3.0 United States License. Come check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and hit up our website at geekradiodaily.com. Find more of Carol the Cat at guardiansofthegeekery.com and purplehairedpixie.com. 